You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The return we've been waiting for is finally here. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping back in the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout this weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 12. As hashtag FireDQ trends on Twitter, Kako packs his bag to join Leas. The Tony D Bridge was shut down yesterday due to structure issues, and the curse of Mark Stahl lives strong as Johnson slowly moves his way up the lineup and joins Fox on the second D pairing. But first, Andy, I need to ask you, how are you doing? Man, it's been a, a hell of a couple of days from uh, going from a letdown of you know, the anticipation for their home opener and the first hockey game in a while. First overall pick, uh, Alexi Lafreniere in the lineup. Uh, Ke'Andre Miller actually making the team out of camp. The expectations were so high. And to come out against your crosstown rivals and, and the Islanders and absolutely look like you've never met each other before and that you were playing, you know, rec league drop in hockey. It, uh, it was such a, such a disappointment and a letdown. And obviously as anyone who's paid attention to Ranger social media and Twitter in the last few days knows that it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was not pretty the reactions from around the fan base, but then to go on to then come up, follow it up with the performance they had last night, uh, to get that feeling you were looking for and almost completely flip the script. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that uh, there's a lesson to be learned here, but there's still also a lot to unpack because it's, you've seen how I think, yeah, we're, as we're going to talk about, you've seen both extremes. So I guess figuring out what that means for where the, the middle is for this team is uh, yeah, that's, that's the the tricky thing, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm happy Rangers hockey's back, uh, and I'm obviously happy now that after two games, they're one and one, and we've seen at least what somewhat of what they're capable of, uh, for better or worse, in, in both directions. Yeah, I, listen, I sent out a tweet to Vince yesterday during the game, and you know he was you know all he loves to like show up the fans, I, I and all the people that were you know raining fire you know, against the Rangers on Thursday, 
you know, now Vince was kind of shoving it in everyone's face, which is, you know, fine because I feel like Vince is like the middleman who takes all the heat. And, you know, he's just kind of like, don't shoot the messenger. But then he kind of likes to slam the fans a little bit that overreact. But here's the thing. The Rangers played a garbage game, maybe the one of the worst games I've ever seen them play in the past, like two seasons. And then they go and play last night. One of the better games I've, I've seen them play a full 60 minutes. I mean, there, there was at no point that I think the Rangers were playing poorly. The problem is, is inconsistency. And the inconsistency falls on the coaching, which is why I feel like so many people are against DQ and why he's making so many enemies right now is that we're sick of playing this roller coaster hockey. Like we need to find our identity. We need to find our system and we need to play an even keel game. I'm not saying we have to win every game, but I think the fans don't want to see us just get absolutely shellacked and then go and play and like we're an all-star team. And then the next day we get shellacked and then we play like an all-star team. You, you don't want to see that. That's, that's a sign of a bad hockey team and a bad coached hockey team. So I think, you know, I think right now Ranger fans need to first off, take a deep breath because it is only game two. And that includes me too, but your concerns should be hurt. And like you, you have a right to be mad. I mean, this is, it's not okay. What the Rangers did game one, like you cannot come out of the gate like that. I mean, you can blame it on youth, but you can blame it on, you know, whatever the hell, no training camp, you know, no preseason games. It is what it is, but we're all being judged. This is the varsity. No, no more time for JV excuses. This is the varsity. I don't care how many NHL games you have under your belt. You're, you, you know, there are no preseason games. This is it. They all count. They're all worth two points. So I, I really don't want to hear the excuses. But, you know, I, I'm glad that we came out and, you know, we punched back the Islanders because, you know, I think that's what made it, I think, a little bit worse, too, was that it was against the New York Islanders. And you cannot be losing like that to the, the Islanders. Yeah, I think the I've obviously had a, a lot of time to sit on it and especially having seeing how they played last night uh, in their uh, redemption game. You know, it's it's helped crystallize maybe some of my feelings and thoughts about that first game. And on I think it's tough to really encapsulate because on the one hand, you know, listen, there is an element of truth to the fact that like this team has so much potential, obviously, but they are since they are still young that it's I think people expecting just, you know, when you're adding these guys, you know, especially you could just sense that between Alexi and Keander just really feeling out the game at times last night. Uh, hell, even some of the younger guys, Heedle and Kako. And and uh, yeah, it was just, it's one of those things where that there is, there is no excuse because for this team, it's like you said, it's not so much that you got, they lost. It's the fact that they, again, they, you know, there's been a trend of them not showing up prepared for games and I think the other concern is that for for all of talk of, uh, you know, Quinn being a development coach, that they don't see it's when there is there doesn't seem to be a structure that if on nights where they don't have it, that they know that if I'm in trouble or I don't have my skating legs or whatever, this is where I'm supposed to put the puck. This is where I can safely make a dump where I can, you know, live. The Rangers are a team that can't coast there. You know, some teams are so good that even if they just don't have it, they can coast and still make it to OT or the shootout. You know what I mean? Because right. they have structure. And this Rangers team, they're either going to have their skating legs and their their uh, superior talent, because if you look at just the terms of skill now on this team, it's ridiculous, is going to win out. But the problem is it takes a lot of skating legs. It takes a lot of skill and improvisation. And you're not going to be, they're not going to have that, you know, for a full season you know, 82 games or 56, whatever we're playing this year. And I think that's the problem. I think at some point you want to see like a game, you don't want it to be like either the whole, because I, I think that's the thing with the Rangers. It's not like, ah, uh, you know, it's like these guys were bad, but these guys were good and it worked out and they had a structure. It's either everyone's pulling the rope and they're amazing and they're exceeding expectation or they're just everyone 
it just one cog is not working and then everyone else is just lost. You know what I mean? But obviously you saw you saw what that meant last night. And listen, I will give for the hashtag far DQ crowd. Listen, I still have my concerns about his system play. But I mean, right now, if you look what he's done with Buchnevich the last few seasons, I think for me anyway, and I'm listen, I'm I'm very critical of David Quinn at times, but I think that's a clear example of him getting through to a player and helping him unlock his potential because the Buchnevich we saw last night was an absolute monster, you know, huge game three. I think he had three points, right? Three, yep. points, three points, uh, two goals and an assist and was just, yeah, he was just playing like Buchnevich. And I don't even think, I think like, it's kind of hard to say cause it's all hindsight. Like, Oh, he would have ended up here anyway, but it's just the, the puck hound and the physical element he's added to his game and the way he's finally figured out clicked how, you know, cause it's like the last few seasons, he's always had the, the soft skill and the deft touch and the playmaking ability and the sneakiness, but he's just, and then the last few seasons, he's kind of been focused more on getting that physical element to his game, but he's never been able to unlock using two in concert at once. And last night he was all that he could turn it on at the flip of the switch. And, you know, everyone who said it coming out of camp that he looked like the, you know, the best ranger in camp, like it tracks. And if he plays like this this season, he's going to be hard to stop and he's going to be a monster. So uh, and that bodes well as long as you keep him and Mika together. You know what I mean? Or hell, even if you have to put him with Panarin for stretches. But, you know, I think Quinn deserves a lot of credit for that. But again, Ranger fans are upset because some of the same troubling trends that you've maybe you half expect them to eventually get a handle on or grow out of. They haven't stopped. So I think, you know, I think it's more about you see the tantalizing potential on this team. But you if you, you know, if you see these things, it's like you have it flagged in the back of your memory. Like it doesn't matter how good we are. If these things still continue to plague us after all this time, is it going to plague us when we're finally our window is firmly open and we're actually trying to make it count? So, yeah, it's a concern. Yeah. And another, you know, concern of mine is his double standard. And, you know, I obviously I had a lot of time to look into this over the last, you know, few days because, you know, being stuck with COVID, all you have is pretty much the internet. And New York Rangers hockey is is basically all any is all I look at right now on the internet. So, you know, watching that first game, you look you looking up and down the roster, you're trying to find a silver lining. And I thought the silver lining was Julian Gauthier. I thought he played a phenomenal game. I thought he was our best forward and our best player over overall, like by a long shot. And then he gets demoted to the fourth line. And, you know, last night only played, you know, just over seven minutes, seven Oh three. And I just look at it and I'm like, like, where is he? Where does he pull this? Like, where does he pull this out of his hat? Like what, what's his objective here? I mean, like, I, I just, I honestly don't know. Like, when he says he does it off a merit-based system and then he demotes our best player and then promotes our worst player in Jack Johnson, I just don't get it. And granted, Johnson's minutes went down a lot. You know, they went from 20 minutes to 13 minutes. I just don't get like where he comes across, like promoting some guys and demoting others. And it's it just crazy. I mean, and, and what'd you think of uh, Gauthier? Uh, yeah, I thought he was, in the first game, he was on a night where everyone stunk. I thought him and Rooney, and I'll say to a lesser extent, Brett Howden, who you know, I do want to talk about in a second, because I think I owe Brett a little bit of an apology, because I think through two games, he's actually been pretty good, even though I think still he's, you know, and granted, he is only playing like a fourth line minutes, but, and penalty kill, but he's been good when, you know, at doing his thing. As long as he's in that contain in that role, then he's, you know, I will stop harping on the poor kid, because I do think he looks more assertive, stronger, faster, getting to pucks more and actually doing good things with it. You know, I don't know if he'll ever create much, but, but no, yeah, Julian Gauthier drew in that first game. He uses speed. He drew a penalty, I think, uh, at least one, you know, he had a, a breakaway opportunity. The, uh, the team was flat and he was one of the only guys I thought, thought was trying to back guys up and move his legs and everyone else. And it, so it's kind of weird that he does get, um, yeah, that he does get demoted. Um, I think my only thing, though, I guess to counter my own point is that as I, you know, I, as much as I like Gautier, I haven't seen much creativity or ability to once he he does good things directly. But he I, I don't know, he 
unless he's trying to drive the net or doing stuff, I don't see his ability to find his teammates much yet. He doesn't really have that. Him and Laugh, uh, I would have liked to see in a little. I saw Lafreniere try a few things with him and just Goche just not being ready or not being in the right spot. And but it's a shame because if you're go- like you said, if you're going off merit and effort on a night where every almost everyone was bad, he was one of the only few people I'd say was oh he was decent to actually good. And so, you know, even if it's just to you know to to try to to make an example of some people. And yet, you know, for no fault of his own, for being one of the only people who cared to get demoted. Yeah, it's kind of sucks. But I will say this. I mean, for all the flack, it whatever, you know, it's like whatever. There was a lot of questions about what he was doing and it seemed to work. Guys were finding each other and they were working in concert. So I don't know if long term, I I think these are what those are the the lines and the pairings I would roll. But you know, you you can't. There's not much he can do. He can't play. You know, Quinn can't play for these guys. So he did what he could, and he rattled things up. And I guess it got through. And he, you know, well, so yeah. So I, I'm sorry. What were you saying? No, I will say this. I mean, there's listen. The, our top six are pretty much set in stone. Like those are your horses. You gotta have. You have to ride them eventually. You know what I mean? I'm not saying put them down on the fourth line, but you know, uh, Julian Gauthier probably could have played you know, on the third line. But you know what? After seeing last night, I just felt like everyone played well. And I feel like Phil DiGiuseppe is going to play his way into a starting position because the kid's a spark plug. And I don't know if it was just the, you know, because the entire team was playing with a little bit more energy. Oh, I shouldn't say a little bit more energy, a lot more energy that he looked good. But I tell you, man, there's something to say about his attitude and, you know, his, you know, the way he, you know, holds himself on the ice. He just, he seems like he loves being out there. He's always doing the right thing. He's mixing it up. He causes turnovers. He just plays with a lot of energy and I love it. And I I really do think it fits this system where Quinn wants to be a little bit more aggressive on the puck. And I feel like he's just a perfect player for that. And I know he's not going to play anything more than fourth line, maybe third line minutes. And if someone goes down with the injury, you can, you know, put him up with the, you know, the, the top six, but you know, I, I do think he deserves to be on this starting roster, you know, at least, oh. you know, for another few games. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think if you're going to eventually, you know, at times last year, he was good, especially when put with uh, him and Heedle seem to have a little, they can yeah. click somewhat. And even him and Kako at times, because he does the work because Kako's kind of that I'm going to stand back in a, sh- a shooting position or kind of float. So then I can get to it in soft ice and then use my puck possession skills. And yeah, I will say this Kako, he looked be- way much better last night. And I think he had one, the best statistical uh, from his underlying, you know, numbers game of his career. You know, it's been created, but when I think that when him, Heedle and D. D- Giuseppe were on the ice, they outchanced, the opposition like eight to one, eight scoring chances to one. So that's good to see. And he, I finally, you saw him finally start to make you. And that's the thing. I think he's still, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because we drafted him last year. But if you think about it, Lafreniere, I would say at this point in his career is probably still more NHL ready than Kako potentially. Although he still seems to be figuring out. So I think this benefits all parties. Yeah. It stinks that he might have to, Kako might have to play in the third line, but if that's the, an atmosphere where he can continue to get comfortable. He looked hell of a lot. He was shooting more. He looked hell of a lot more assertive and like recognizing his spots. You know, you saw him read the play. It was developing and quick, like he sprinted to his spot and he, he pivoted his back foot and let off that one timer. That's the other thing is that I thought at times last year, his shot was a muffin. That was a, he had a, pr- a pretty good rifle shot on that. So, and if you remember in, in, uh, when he's playing over in Liga, he scored a lot of goals from, you know, the right circle with a, with a big, uh, one time or a slap shot. So if he can add that to his arsenal and he can back people up, or at least, you know, you have to respect that for his game moving forward. I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, we're going to have a, a, another weapon in our, in our quiver. So that's, uh, good for him. But, um, but yeah, I just think overall that, that line to your point, DJ Giuseppe, uh, as I think in that role, as long as he's not facing, you know, top six, he's perfect. He can do he he perfectly does what uh, the grunt work that a yes for Foss would do for like the Panarin line. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. he's going to allow the he's going to do the stuff that maybe Kako's not fast enough or not up to the rigors of the board battle yet with as he's still growing. And, you know, Heedle is, uh, you know, what you want. He wants to be able to use his individual skill to back off opponents so sometimes going into the corners and just trying to like 
you know, dig out pucks is not what he's all about. He wants to be the guy who, once it squirts out, he grabs it and quickly, you know, because he's so quick, you know, backs uh, opponents off with his speed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, though, to pivot, uh, the one who stood out to me more than anyone was Ke'Andre Miller last night. Talk about, you know, it took him... And I think you can see because it's such after that first game, obviously, I had said there was my concerns about his ability, maybe his reads or ability to, you know, and he made a few mistakes. He got in that first game, he got turnstiled a few times and uh, he missed a few checks or he committed overcommitted at certain times. And I'm like, oh, boy, he's going to have to. But lo and behold, last night he's stepping up and he's using his skating and he's knocking down pucks. You know, so that, there's that one thing they were trying to get it clear. And he just, he's six foot five. So he just jumps up and grabs a puck that they're, the Islanders are trying to high clear into the corner and he throws it down while he's still skating. And you just see, it's just natural to him. And that's why he has progressed so quickly. You know, he's only been playing defense since high school. It's crazy, but he just, his natural abilities make things easy for him or easier. And you could just see that he, he was a mon, his underlying statistics last night were, were monstrous. And that's the thing is that, He's as he gets more comfortable, eventually stepping up and snuffing things out and transitioning the neutral zone, which is his forte, because uh, he was obviously tentative that first game. Like he's gonna be a stud. Like he was jumping into play, he was taking shots, he was evading guys with quick moves, and it's just you can't. He's so rangy, is that it's not like you can usually guys can get draped and get their stick in on you, but he's just yeah, like guys couldn't. He could. He was getting. He was evading pressure like a like a. Yeah, like a guy who's maybe four or five inches shorter than him with his skating. You know what I mean? So I'm so excited about his future. It's so bright. You know, he's still going to have to have some developments because it's not the out. Listen, I, as the Islanders were pretty much almost as bad as the Rangers were in their first game, you know, and it yeah. sucks for Sorokin. It seems, you know, I think uh, it was Clutterbuck because Varlamov was supposed to start. So who knows if Varlamov's a net for them and they get some few saves. Uh yeah, like who knows if maybe the Rangers are, especially if they don't get that early goal, maybe they don't have it through the whole, you know, keep going, keep the pedal down. But listen, they didn't. The Islanders did did him no favors. They should have known that they have their unexpectedly now that he Sorokin has to start and they have to, yeah, they have to insulate him and they have to help him out. And they, they left the that kid out to dry. So that really sucks for him. But yeah, it's good for the Rangers. And uh Man, it was just, like I said, it was a tale of two games. It was literally a mirror image of that first game in terms of the dominance of one team to the other. And uh, what was the score of that final? What was the final score of the first game? Was it 5 four nothing? 4 nothing. Oh, Islanders. Not, nice. So we not only did we replicate that, we one-upped them. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Listen, I was a little worried with Ke'Andre the first game. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I wasn't worried that, like, you know, we're screwed with him. I, I'm just a little worried. It's just like, you know, the last game he really played was college hockey. And it's like, that's not even remotely close to the NHL. So he was seeing this really for the first time. And, and you can tell, you know, gathering the puck on his stick, he was a little shaky, a little nervous, you know, you know, just the, even the, he had one play, I think with Panarin, it was almost like a give and go. And you can tell he just wasn't ready. He was just kind of standing watching Panarin play, which, I mean, how can you not, you know, at that, at that age, you know, you could finally get up there and, 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 you know, you see Panarin streaking up, up and down the ice. It's just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm here. But last night, I mean, he just played a more comfortable game. You can just tell he was just, you know, played within himself. I, I'm sure it was nice to have a, the play with a lead, um, you know, be relied upon a little bit more and, and not so much stressful, stressful situations. The Islanders really didn't press, uh, Every single time I felt like they had the puck in the offensive zone, they took a stupid penalty. I mean, Barzell, just every other shift was taking a penalty. I mean, it was great. It was just honestly a perfect game to get his legs under his feet and uh, or get his, you know, whatever the expression is. His feet under him. Yeah. His feet under him. And just, uh, you know, and even, you know, talk about Lafreniere, too, because we didn't really talk to him about him that much. You know, you, you just see he's just so you see so if you feel like he's been in the league for a few years yeah you know and what i mean it's yeah like, and, sorry not to no. not to cut you off but the thing with him is that you could i because i still see he's figuring there are some things that he's de the pace is not too much for him and you could tell because he's involved i think 
he's always in the, a good spot and he's trying to create and he's making good stuff. Uh, at times, you can see he's getting used to the stronger opponents. He got thrown off some pucks because he's used to being a, a man amongst boys. You know what I mean? And now yep. he's just in a very advanced young man against older men who are still maybe a little bit stronger than him. But I mean, just the fact that he doesn't look out of place in his first game, because he he was one of the few that actually looked pretty oh, decent. Yeah. That first game, you yeah. know. And now you you just see he's slowly feeling it out, especially playing with Panera. And I, you know, they had some few nice like cross ice feeds and that, you know, at their best moments last year, Panera and Strom were playing keep away from the far wings, finding guys in the corners where there was no because only they had that vision. Lafreniere clearly has that vision and he does deft little puck touches. I, you could kind of sense him feeling out like some of the things he would do, like understanding like, oh, OK, this is ice that would be given to me, you know, what I'm used to in like the in the queue, and it's not there anymore. You know what I mean? So he was just kind of figuring out. But I think once he makes those little mental notes, like, all right, can't, I can do this, I can't do that. Like, I have to do this if I want to do this. Like, he's gonna be the kid's gonna be an absolute monster. You know what I mean? He had a nice, a few shots on goal. He had nice hard uh, shots, and uh, yeah, I like you know the deft, the fact that he can already cycle the puck like he's been in the league for so long is such an encouraging sign like he understands how to use his teammates and find them so yeah not worried about him uh it's gonna be when he scores his first goal it's gonna be amazing um but yeah and obviously like i said if he gets him getting top six minutes is a good thing and the and i think even joe and sam touched on it is that even though he's you know they had him switching sides panarin is the type of winger that he just takes whatever ice you give him. So he, they crisscross a lot. And if that can confuse coverage, I mean, because they're both so smart that they can both do that. You know what I mean? They're either because Lafreniere is a dual threat player. He can, and as is Panarin, they can both be amazing playmakers, but they both, both have lethal shots. You know what I mean? And can score goals. So if they can just switch at will with Strom kind of as like a little control tower in the center, like that's a deadly combination. And you even saw that towards the Lafreniere was like, and Panarin were joking around and talking and Lafreniere's like hugging him and, you know, got his arm around him and saying Panarin's going over him and laughing, joking with him. I mean, that's the guy you want to, if you're, if that's who you want to attach your budding superstar to, right? You know, because yeah. we say all this and we, and he has, you know, as good as his look, but Panarin after, you know, a really rough first game and he was bad the first game. He just was, wasn't himself. He wasn't, he looked like he was trying to do something. He wasn't Panarin. But last night, holy Moses, was he Panarin. He was dangerous. Every time he had the puck, uh, he just knew he was bailing his teammates out when they needed it. And then he was also doing that thing where he cher- he can cherry pick sometimes. And he's scoring that just that Panarin breakaway with that beautiful snapshot. And man, he was just dangerous every time he had the puck. So yeah, it's like I said, it was tail two games. They were as they were as good last night as they were, were bad that first game. Yeah, and you know, it's just watching La- Lafreniere away from the puck too. Just he accelerates at the right time. You know, he, he's back checking through the middle. You just see, you know, just so much maturity to his game. It, you, you honestly, you wouldn't be able to pick that kid up if you someone said point out the rookie on the lineup. I don't know if you could pick him up. I, <laughs> I think you'd probably pick out Howden if anything, just the way he carries himself. But Lafreniere looks like a pro already. Uh, you know, um, it's it's amazing. And even Gibby was complimenting him on his facial hair. You know, he goes, this kid's going to have, you know, a, a nice playoff beard, you know. And, and you know, uh, hopefully we get to that point. Hopefully it's this year. But, uh, yeah, you know, just Lafreniere, just, I mean, I know he doesn't have a point yet. And I know, you know, obviously he doesn't have that elusive first goal. But his play so far, you know, I'm very impressed with. And, you know, especially last game, just – his overall, uh, you know, his game, even away from the puck, is just, you know, I, I do th- think he does have some work to do with the puck. Um, you can tell he, he sometimes, you know, definitely thinks he's got a little bit more time than he probably is used to. But that's, you know, obviously that's going to happen. But I'm really, you know, excited, to, you know, his play away from the puck. Just his movement and synergy with Panarin last night was, you know, perfect. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode 
is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, if you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. Should we transition to the the elephant in the room, and that's our defense? Yeah. All right. A lot of questions here. Uh, I think the biggest elephant in the room is number 27, Jack Johnson. Your thoughts. Just I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, uh, listen, he was that first game. And in fairness, none of the team, no one was good. Very few, few Rangers were good, if at all, in that first game. So, you know, we were obviously harping on Johnson because he was maybe looked like among the worst. Play limited minutes uh, last night and was, yeah, it was fine. Didn't create much, but also didn't tur- made the plays he had to. You can just tell that he's kind of a bit of a relic from a bygone era and he just doesn't have the skill to like, if he tries to, if he's like, I'm going to skate the puck out of danger and then turn up ice and try to rifle a pass, it just doesn't have the same zip. It's not as accurate, but he, you know, he was, he was fine last night. But I think the if you, much as be because obviously I think in Ranger fans head you're like we're not splitting up Fox and Lindgren but honestly it it seemed to really work last night and Smith Brennan Smith who has been his tenure as a Ranger has been there's been no middle ground and I think that's why he's at times been on the outs because it's either he's either really doing a good job he gets a beautiful that beautiful uh breakout pass to Panarin and he was physical and he yep. just was steady you know, and his other problem is usually he takes a lot of penalties. Didn't you know he was played within himself? Now I think you know Tony. You if if why I just why make Tony and and Smith your third pairing? And listen, if you have to put Johnson in every now and then, and as long as he's getting limited minutes, I, it is what it is. I mean, he's here. They're going to use him. There's nothing I guess we could do about that as Ranger fans. But uh, as far as a defense, I wouldn't change a thing. I would roll with Lindegren, Truba, put Fox and Keandre together. Um, and then have uh, uh, Smith on the left and Tony on the right. Bingo. If, right? It, I mean, it's it's real. It, there's a lot of controversy right now, but because we, I think we all know though. I don't think I don't think DQ is going to sit Johnson. I don't yeah, know I, what he's going to do. You can't sit anybody else. And if he sits Miller, I'm gonna. Uh, Andy, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I can't even uh, I, say it on the podcast. Yeah, but. I don't think. Luckily, I don't think he'll sit Miller because I think if anything, with Keandre, they're not the one of the main reasons they're here is they want him to see him to develop, and they're not going to like. But but who knows? You know, because like you said, he's had made some questionable uh, sitting and lineup decisions at times. And listen, I will let me say this. I understand Johnson was bad, and I do think if in if I. As a fan, like I obviously would sit him. I can't say I necessarily disagreed with him uh, with Ben sitting Tony, even though Tony was a mixed bag and that he took a real bad penalty. But at the same time, he's one of the few guys that can create with his natural. Like, I get it. I totally understand it. I think the one thing is that in a game where at that point in that game for him to take the extra you know, double minor. It's like one of those things where it's like, if you have any chance of coming back in that game, that, that almost snuffs it out. So I, as not, maybe it's not, I say that's not what I would do, but when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily think it was the wrong move. It clearly, it clearly worked. And hopefully it sends a message because like the, this sheet season is so short and you have to be just, you have to sit on your leads or, or if you're going to come back, you have to, yeah, you have to mitigate, 
chances. And the Rangers just took way too many penalties and to just something that you already took the penalty. Even if you think it's unfair, if you want to give your team any chance, you can't, you cannot, whatever. I don't know what he said. I don't know if he called the ref like a, a fucking idiot. I don't know if he, it was all from, I don't think it was just from slamming the door because that's not, you know what I mean? You're not he, gonna call, he called him a fucking clown. You have fucking rabbit ears. You're a fucking joke. You're a fucking yeah. clown. Oh, like, wait, I'm sorry. On. That was David Quinn last year. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I mean, if, yeah, I I would obviously have Tony come in for, for Jack Johnson in my per- now because it seemed they found some stability. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, like I said, I can't, I don't know if I, and I'm usually a little bit more like I don't care because Tony's one of the few guys who can create, but you know, he was bad and he, he, they could have stopped the bleeding and he plunged the knife, deep, knife deeper. So they yeah. were, I'll, I'll be honest with you is that game. They weren't coming back from that's like saying, if no, I know Bell that, I know that but it, penalty in the offensive zone, Islanders would have came back. There was yeah, no that, coming but, back from but that. But even point. Barry benched Barzell last night. And yeah, but is he going to sit Barzell the next game for what he did? It's like, listen, Quinn, I understand what you're trying to do. And I know Quinn is obviously a newer coach in this league, and he's probably trying to show that, you know, he's not going to take that crap. And listen, I agree with him. You know, Tony, at that point, you can't let your emotions get the best of you. you. You know, you're part of the only way this team can come back is you, you know, willfully bring the cut the, the puck down the ice there's only a couple players that are going to start offense like that tony's one of them zabenajad panarin you know there's only a select few that can really have that burst of speed shoot down the ice and create something but you know at the same time too it's like listen this isn't jv this isn't high school hockey anymore this is the nhl you play your best players and I, it, it's clear to me that johnson was a huge step behind everyone else last game tony wasn't great but he was still probably our best defenseman overall given his you know offensive play especially on the power play that has been god awful and we need to talk about that next andy because our special teams is going to absolutely murder us down the down the line um you know i just think that this early in the season everyone came out flat if i had a guy that kind of shows a little bit of emotion that's something that you don't bench the guy for. That's something that, you know, you might get in his ear. And then after the game, you say, like, listen, man, it's one of those games. Let's learn from it. and Let's move on and let's go. Obviously, Tony has a history of being a hothead, um, you know, it, but at the same time, it's like, please, like, it's it just I don't I don't know what Tony's future is with the New York Rangers. And I, I doubt given our our talent depth at defense that's going to be here much longer, but you know, sitting him right now is not the, not the problem. And honestly play them. So, you know, he does put up the numbers and then maybe move him to try to bring in a freaking center that we clearly need because our face off sucks. Our face off percentage is absolute garbage and our special teams has been absolutely shit. Andy. And I, I want to move in, uh, move on to, to that. Um, but, you know, anything more on the defense? I mean, basically, it's just you got to swap Tony and Johnson. It's yeah, clear I, as day. I, I think that's probably the, you know, that's the move I would make. Um, and listen, I understand, like I said, I understand for, I don't, even if I'm not, what, not what I would have done. And it's, I don't really get it at times. Like he's here. They're clearly going to use him. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it is what it is. I, it's going to be the where the Rangers are the most vulnerable this season. But obviously if K Andre is on on the development path he's on right now, that it can shore up pretty quickly. Cause if if any and true listen, I Truba was great last night. He was god awful at first game and he was amazing last night because he is one maybe the only player on this team that he can get in a battle in the corner uh and, you know, make, give a guy a little bit of a rough ride or like fight back or, you know, be aggressive. If a guy's trying to like, or if an is trying to pressure him, he can immediately tack them back to kind of get them to back off a bit. If they think they're just going to like swarm him and try to cross check him in the back, he can either reverse hit them or lay it on him. And then he can get his skating out and turn up ice and fire. And yeah, he had shots on goal and he was, 
just shooting at will. And yeah, that's but that's the thing is that he needs to be engaged to do that. So if we can have that Truba on the ice at all times with Lindegren, who is, again, flying under the radar, what a warrior this kid is. He's busted open every other game. He almost doesn't play well unless he like is his face looks like a hamburger, you know, well, they, the, they, they said it's all they haven't hasn't even been like a period yet. And and Lindgren's nose is bleeding like, yeah, it's officially like hockey's back. Yeah, he's he's, uh, you know, he's taken that mantle from Girardi of, you know, <laughs> just yeah. taking punishment. But he pl- he seems to it. It gets him involved and he just doesn't I he, he doesn't. He's got the, the, the little beard going now and he doesn't take crap. And I love that. And. Honestly, Fox was amazing last night, too. He was creating all over the ice, and that's what you want. And you think about it is that, uh, yeah, you got to, like I said, you have to give credit to Brendan Smith. If he can come in and just stabilize things, and eventually, like you said, if you can, I think if you put Tony with him, and then you just keep Lindegren and Truba, because Lindegren has actually shown he can skate pucks out. I think when Truba gets put with, like, more similar partners or stationary partners, he kind of suffers but i think him and lindgren just have that thing that they're both committed to he's gonna back you know they'll back each other in physical situations whereas like a guy like fox might be a little bit more tentative you know what i mean like yeah um, and even though as good as lindgren and fox have looked at times i just think for the way that truba plays he's not super fast it's not like he's gonna get back to a puck and be able to right get get it off immediately he might have to fight for it first but if you have a guy like lindgren who's not afraid to get in the trenches with you and help you win it and then do something with it, then yeah, that'll be a good recipe for success. And then obviously K Andre and Fox can have a little bit more give and go because they're both maybe have a little bit more offensive flair and, you know, K Andre's ability to just skate and Fox can then scan. And he's like, all right, I can then get to stay back here and I can run the point once we gain possession in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, so that's, and th- that's, they're going to have to figure this stuff out now, but you know, if going forward a Fox, uh, yeah, man, it's just Fox K Andre pair would be absolutely incredible, you know, just because in terms of what the potential is. Uh, so, yeah, I guess as far as our defense, like I said, it's going to be our weakness potentially going forward. But at the same time, there is room for improvement this season, which is something I couldn't have said about last year because, you know, we didn't have K Andre and Fox was another and Lindgren weren't another season older where it's like more than being expected of them now. You know what I mean? It's like they were trying to put everything on Truba and Shea. And I think if any, everyone could pull the, the rope a little bit more. And if Jacques Martin over time, the system can, whatever his system is, can kick in, then yeah, I think there is room for improvement. So, but yeah, that remains to be seen, but it clearly is going to have to be, we're going to live and die by it, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake up because Quinn is not really a man of, consistency with lines and 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 pairings so it it'll be interesting to see the different pairings along the way because you know when we have a bad game which you know we will eventually um you know he's going to shake things up again and i'm curious to see you know where you know the pieces lie um another big i guess is like another elephant in the room but no one really seems to talk about it other than you know a possible trade with columbus to bring in pierre luc dubois um is our center depth which is absolutely dismal right now uh our face-off percentage is god-awful i wrote uh, a blog in the beginning of the before the season started basically you know three things that are going to cripple us you know our one is our d zone coverage you know that's got to improve from last year which I, i don't think we have enough of a uh you know uh i don't think we have enough games under our belt for me to really critique it uh you know, second would be our face-off percentage and, you know, just winning face-offs and how that, you know, translates to possession and, and scoring opportunities in the offensive zone and clearings when you're in the defensive zone. And then, you know, the third thing um, uh, was special teams. And I thought our special teams and our you know, face-off percentage was absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, Andy, center depth, what are we going to do? Who are we going to trade? What Like, what's going to happen here? Because... I really do think we need somebody this season because we're not going to make the playoffs if we don't have a clear number two center. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like you said, it's that because Panarin and to a lesser extent, you can even see Lafreniere kind of assume that role. It's just I think it's in the sense that the defenseman is is relied upon or excuse me, the center is usually relied upon to be the more defensive element on that line. And 
I think it's it's clear that the way this Rangers roster is constructed, uh, especially with the the talent they have on the wings, that you just it's yeah the need for and I don't think Heedle unfortunately is really there yet. He still seems more of an offensive minded player. They clearly lack a guy who can just be solid um, to stabilize that middle six with a defensive presence. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to be. A, you know, he doesn't have to be the most offensive player in the world. It's just they clearly need it. Like a, Deno, a, a Philip Deneau type, type would be uh, amazing on this team. So uh, I, as for, yeah, I mean, as for the PLD rumors, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Columbus would want to trade it in, in division, but obviously he's a guy I would love to have. I don't know what it would take to get him. So I kind of am afraid of that, especially if it costs, uh, you know, if they want a, a player in return, I, I assume <laughs> obviously Philip Heedle wouldn't by himself wouldn't get it done. So at what point is like all of a sudden it's like if you're like a, a Heedle, you know, a first uh, or Vitaly Crafts, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, ah, I don't know. But uh, I mean, not to not to pour more gasoline on the fire, but uh, what's uh, Buffalo's record right now? I think they're one on one, right? Did that they win the other night? I don't I, I'm I'm assuming they just won one that. Um, Buffalo no, they're zero and two, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I feel like everyone except for me and you feel like like they make fun of me for t- saying Eichel's gonna come. Um. You know. I mean, if they, if they again, if they do everything he asked and they still can't get into the playoffs, like what? <laughs> like he. Buffalo's how, how many, too. When yeah, when is when when what year was the McDavid draft? The Eichel and McDavid draft. Oh, was it twenty seventeen? Yeah, yeah. Four um, four years into your career, and you haven't made the playoffs on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. Like at what point? Like at least Edmonton, I think they missed one year with McDavid, right? But they've been in every other year since, right? I'm sorry, the uh, twenty fifteen. Yeah. It's you're going to be six years like, you know, McDavid. Yeah, we forget like him and he's 20. Eichel's 24 years old. You're you're going to have five years left to your 30 and you haven't been in the playoffs once like. But no, he's going to stay like, come on, man. Like, listen, and I if there's I understand why it's like it just seems like you're being a hater and like you, you can't have nice things. But at the same point, it's like, it's not fair to these guys, you know, even if it's, you know, and I think there's a chance, even if he doesn't come to the Rangers, he might just go elsewhere because like, it doesn't have to be the Rangers. I'm just saying like he put that, there's no coincidence that was out there. He's trying to spurn them to do something, but if they do something and it just still isn't enough, at what point is enough enough? You know what I I mean? mean, There's, I would imagine every team in the league would make room for Jack Eichel. Yeah. And the, listen, the Rangers would probably offer up, you know, especially if if they're trying to, um, you know, I don't know, like the Rangers would offer up a pretty package for him. You know, there's the stories like he's already played for Quinn before, if Quinn is still here, um, you know, and he Jack has said his favorite uh, his taking warm ups in MSG is his like favorite thing in the NHL because you're in the city and he gets to go no bucket, although he won't. He'll have to wear a bucket with the Rangers, but just like the energy, like he's already said that. And clearly he put it out that New York was a team he'd be very interested in, you know, if, if things went down, like these are not coincidences. You know what I mean? And listen, I understand if you're a Buffalo fan, much like if you're a Columbus fan, you don't want to hear this stuff and it stinks. I feel, listen, I, I want you guys, I want Buffalo to be good. If I, I think that is, that market would be amazing with their team in the postseason finally again. You know, they're a hot, they're a, a loyal market. They get their view, you know, their fans out no matter what in their view numbers, but they haven't been rewarded. The Pagulas or just, they don't put the right places and they Jack, they draft Jack Quinn instead of Marco Rossi. Like, like they just clearly there's a, I just don't get, you know, there's just, they don't have the right people in the right spots. And, so. Yeah. And, and, try, and I feel like you and I know when a, a bad team is being ran because, you know, I think, well, I know I'm a Met Jet fan, and I think you lean towards those teams also, right? I don't see you as being a Yankee or Giant fan. But, like, we know when a bad organization is a bad organization. Buffalo is, the Sabres are one of those organizations. And, and you know, you saw the quick turnaround that the Bills had 
when they drafted Allen. And now, now the city is, you know, at, you know, all, all it is is Buffalo Bills. And I'm sure that drives Eichel crazy because he's like, how long have I been here? You know, I want to make the playoffs. I want to make this city go nuts. Like, and eventually, you know, that wears on you. And it's got to be mentally draining for him to watch, you know, you know, the other team in his city, you know, have so much success and a quick turnaround and a quick rebuild. And, you know, here he is just, you know, a bottom feeder once again. I don't know. I, I, I do think, I do think it just is, a, it is a perfect situation, a perfect fit, but I, I just, I know Jack Eichel will not be retiring as a Buffalo Sabres that I know whether he's a New York Ranger, I'm not sure, but I would, I'd be remiss to find a, a better place for Jack Eichel right now in the NHL. Yeah. And like I said, not, not trying to be a hater. It's just, I just think that, that it's reasonable to say that he understands that if he wants, he, yeah, it's like, you know, there has to be some success. I mean, Duchesne wanted out because he only made the playoffs, what his first season with Colorado and look, and now, and listen, uh, now they're good. So maybe that's one of those things that it, I could see it being some weird thing where he leaves and then there's this weird resentment in their locker room. And that kind of drives them to all pull the rope a little bit more out of spite and then actually get into the playoffs. It, that's happened to a lot of franchises. And it's kind of funny how that happens, right? Like, Oh, I just can't all do time. exactly. You know? So, but it's just, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not putting, if, if Buffalo is close, then he'll probably stay and say like, all right, I see the trajectory, but you know, if it's just not enough, you know, and listen, I feel bad because this is the hardest division to get into the playoffs. And if the Rangers don't get in that it's, it sucks, but you can say, look, we have all this talent. They're still in the up and up. Eichel's like I said, he's 24, 20, going to be 25 years old or he is 25 years old. Like, you know, the time's a ticking. It, it, he, it was just yesterday. He was a, a rookie, you know, coming into the league, young superstar. And all of a sudden, like how far away that moment is like, oh, Jack Eichel's already 26. He's four years till he's 30. Like how much more prime, you know what I mean? Like kick, you need a lot of kicks at the can. So I think, yeah, I'm just, again, not, you know, I hate to be the guy, you know, the guy holding the match with the gasoline, but it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. But listen, um, I think the one thing we didn't really talk about is, uh, well, I, I guess I want to have a question. You you asked me the question I want to ask you. Are you concerned about the way uh, Shesterkin looked in game one? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously that is concerning. Uh, you know, I thought he let in a couple softies. He just didn't look himself, but neither did the rest of the team. And that's what I'm going to hang my hat on is the fact that it wasn't just goaltending. It wasn't just the defense. It wasn't just the forwards. It wasn't just the coaching. Everyone was off their game. I mean, quit, you know, Quinn got out coached. Our forwards got outworked. Our defense were not engaged at all in the play in our own zone, in the offensive zone, in the neutral zone. They weren't active. And you know what? Just Durkin, he stunk. I'm not I'm flat out. I can't, I can't defend the guy. Um, you know, usually you never want to blame it on goaltending. But, you know, sometimes when your forwards or in your D are playing a, a tough game in front of you, you're expected to make a big save. And, and he never really made those saves. I, I felt like he was fighting the puck all night long. Um, the one shot that Barzell had with, with Tony, I felt like he should have had that one. I mean, you know, Tony kind of like pushed him a little bit to the outside and, you know, Barzell's got that quick release and it was a rocket and perfect shot, but still it's like that stuff you, you need to stop. And it's just like, you know, everything that could have went bad, went bad that game. So I'm going to chalk it up as in the universe just wasn't on the Ranger side, uh, Thursday night. So. I'll leave it at that. Um, the one thing I'll say, uh, Georgie, you know, obviously came in and it was just like the total opposite where you just felt like he wasn't even challenged. He was just moving, you know, side to side with ease. He, you know, was saw the puck from every direction that was, you know, thrown at him. Uh, you know, we got lucky with a post. You know, it just felt like everything went George's way and everything went, you know, the opposite for and, Jesse. And I'll say this about Guriev that he has uh he i think one thing that he has in his arsenal that i think a lot of other goaltenders don't have is like some goaltenders understand like the easy snare and then like looking calm 
because you saw that Shesterkin, the way the Islanders were pressuring and crashing the net from all angles, he looked like it was backing him up a, li- a little bit and he was unsure and like he'd go to make a save, but then he'd like kind of like really compress and get little like because he's like uh, bracing for impact. And then you're kind of more focused on that and not if you accidentally don't, if you let a rebound or if it doesn't, if it squeaks out. Yeah. And he was losing pucks. He usually have Georgiev as, a, as Islanders are trying to bear down as they, they put a shot on net and they follow it up. He would snare it and then not move and like kind of snare it with like a too easy pizzazz and like put it to his hip and just kind of stand there. You know what I mean? Like, like the Islanders are trying to create and he just snuffs it out. Like, Nope, like snare out of sky. Like we're going to stop whistle. And you could see it kind of demoralized them a bit. And even then the onus is like, they're trying to crash the net and they almost have to like stop because they're like, this guy made the save. And if I get a barrel into him, my team's going to go for a penalty for like, you know, <laughs> for charging the goaltender. You know what I mean? So he clearly, he was understood that, especially because in camp it was like, oh, he at times looked shakier and Shesterkin looked like, you know, clearly a little bit better. Uh, well, yeah, this was a good game for him. And that's the thing. I, I don't worry about Shesterkin after that one game. Like everyone, like you said, everyone was bad. Uh, I don't think Sorokin was as bad as we saw. I will say that I think Shesterkin having AHL time was very good for him. So if the Islanders think they're not going to, they're just going to, he's Sorokin into the NHL. I don't know, man, maybe making, letting him go to the AHL just for a little bit might be the best way, but Hey, listen, if they want to throw him to the wolves and try to get him to just like that, uh, far be it for me to tell them otherwise. But yeah, I think this tandem is, has the potential to be one of the best, not only in the, in the East division, but in the league, you know what I mean? Uh, I think we, we obviously have to hope that let, Sorokin or excuse me Shesterkin doesn't have any like lingering like oh man like no no Hank I am expected to be the guy type feelings uh and Georgiev uh yeah I love the I love the way that Georgiev when he knows it's like he he can take the spotlight he does it you know what I mean so his numbers are very up and down sometimes and there's performances in the past but when he's on man he's on and that's good to have if you can have a guy who's maybe a little bit more steady in Shesterkin, but then a guy who just in Gurgiv, who is maybe a little less so, but then every now and then he's just hot and you can, yeah, that's a great backup to have or not even backup. I guess a one B if you want to call it that, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I personally am not worried about Shesterkin. Um, hopefully, you know, I know he got, he was took, he was down for a little bit. He got, uh, guys were crashing to the net. Hopefully he's not any lingering soreness or anything from that. But, um, yeah, I think clearly if the team, you know, he's not going to have the Lundqvist took the brunt of, uh, you know, I think we're as fans are going to realize Lundqvist took so much criticism from some portion of the fan base now about you know these things that, yeah, that's gone now. You don't have that same thing. Well, Oh, you, you know, Igor would have had that or whatever. Well, why is he starting? It's going to be, you know, it's, it is what it is now. So you have to live with it. So uh, fans better be ready. Cause I love Shesterkin. I think he's a supremely talented, but every goaltender in the league, I don't care who you are, you're going to have games where you look like absolute crap because it's goaltending and it's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Right. And and let's not forget, Hank at the beginning of NHL seasons w- was usually god-awful. Like, yeah. He, he, he got took until like game 10 to really find his rhythm where you're like, okay, Hank's back. Like, relax, everyone. You know, and, and you know, I think it's something that you might have, you might have to, you know, bear the same uh you know, bear the same load with, you know, Shesterkin and, and Georgie. I mean, Georgie played great, but, you know, let, let's give these guys a, a couple games each to really find their rhythm. And, and, you know, hopefully the team plays as well as they did yesterday, you know, in the future for, you know, Shesterkin, because, you know, I really felt like um, the amount of shots and you're right. I mean, they were crashing the net. They were doing everything correct, but I really do think the amount of shots being thrown and the quality shots that he was having to face so early on really never got him into a set groove. Uh, You know, it, it just felt like every single time, you know, every single time he like finally got into a rhythm, they scored another one. And it was so early on in the game that you just, you know, everything collapsed. You know, it was just like a house of cards. It just collapsed once they got their third goal. So, um, again, brushing it off, not too worried about it. Um, I think this falls more on the the play in front of the goaltending than the actual goaltending itself. And, um, you know, you know, overall, looking at the two games, the same opponent and how different they were, it just it all comes down to energy. It comes down to engagement. 
and it comes down to outnumbering the puck everywhere on the ice. The Rangers mm-hmm. did not do that game one. They did do that game two, and you just saw, you know, the potential that this team has, and I really do think that's why the fan base goes absolutely bonkers when we lay an egg like that is because we know that's not New York Rangers hockey. And I'm not saying we're going to go out and smoke everybody five, nothing now, but you know, there's gotta be fight. There's gotta be energy. There's gotta be some sort of like, you know, passion in the game. And you just didn't see that game one. And, you know, even if you lost three, two, and it was a close one, you know, I think the fan base would have been fine with that, but you cannot, you know, be playing these games where there's just zero energy, zero preparation. And you said it brilliantly at the beginning of the podcast. You just never felt like there was a plan B for the Rangers. Okay, well, this is not working for us. What do we do now? There was no trap. There was no one, two, two in the neutral zone to kind of slow the Islanders down. There was nothing. And, you know, there's got to be some sort of backup plan because, you can't rely on, you know, Panarin and Zibanejad scoring a goal in the beginning of the game, you know, to get us on the right track. You know, it's got to be, you know, there's got to be points in our, you know, back pocket, you know, on games that we play bad because we push it into overtime. And it, that can't be on the goaltending either, you know, to steal a point uh, on the road against the Flyers. You know, that's got to be a full team effort. Everyone's got to be pulling the rope at the same time. And, you know, uh, you know, it's it's, it's going to be tough and it's going to be it's going to be tough because, you know, we're going to be you know, we're going to have a lot of rookies playing uh, this year. And I don't know, man, I, I I've listen, I, I penciled the Rangers in to maybe find that third spot. But, you know, maybe we aren't there yet. And, you know, that's more my fault than anything for getting my hopes up, Andy. Hmm. Well. So looking ahead, uh, as we wrap this podcast up, to we have the the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday, Tuesday night, right? And then uh, we play the Penguins on Friday. Is that correct? Or Thursday? Yes. I think it's, yeah, it's Tuesday and Friday. Uh, Friday. Right? Yeah, Tuesday, Friday. Um, yeah, Devils actually, uh, yeah, don't look so bad, right? They've uh, they, under head coach Lindy Ruff, they they looked at least competitive with uh, who who they play in their their first game. Was it um, uh, the Bruins? They played. Oh, they played the Bruins twice, and they they won an OT the other night, and then they lost uh, their first game. But they, I think they they lost in in uh, a shootout or overtime the first game. Um, I think they lost in a shootout. I've heard so defensively, they've definitely seemed like they've shored up things a bit. Which you know, so I think the obvious. I think if the Rangers played the way they played tonight, I think they can. Uh, yeah, I think they can win. Obviously, I think because I think I still think the Islanders are a better team at this point than the Devils. Although you can argue the Devils, much like the Rangers, they have a little bit more individual skill to do things. And uh, yeah, Jack Hughes is starting to look a little bit better. You know, still uh, had a, still has a bit of a muffin shot, but at the same time, it's like uh, yeah, the kid is getting more confidence and he can create. So they're gonna have to watch out for that. Um, but yeah, I think. They, I hope, hopefully it was a lesson that, that like there is a, that like you said, it's about energy and it's about moving your feet and not playing. Quinn calls it hope hockey where you just kind of make passes and hope someone else will do the work to get to it. And yeah, it's kind of accurate. You, you have to move your feet. So I think if the Rangers can move their feet against this devil's team, I think they can overwhelm them, but listen, they have to be ready. I think assuming that they're going to have as easy a time as they had against the devils last year at times. Uh, I think that's a fa- Yeah. That's a, a recipe for disaster because, you know, uh, Sharangovich looks pretty, or sorry, excuse me, Sharangovich, uh, looks pretty good, man. He, he was so good for them Ty in the Smith, man. Yeah. Ty Smith, you know, our, uh, the Gibby is, has never been high on Ty Smith, but I think he looked great and he's got a few points, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, they look good. I think if you want to exploit them, you have to lean on them a bit. And cause I think, you know, if if ultimately still, I think the Rangers have a much more deadly top six right now, especially with I don't think the Devils, uh, you know, they're they're going to be without Heischer still, I think. Right. Um, and they don't have a player of the caliber of Panarin or Zibanejad just yet. And that's not even counting the guys who are finding their ways, your Lafreniere's and your Kakos and Buchnevich. And if Buchnevich can continue to be just a dom- as dominant as he was the other night, like, look out. Like, imagine if Buchnevich becomes the next sort of uh you know, he may, maybe not the, as 
good a player as a Huberdo, but if he becomes that guy, like, oh man, that guy, like, Buch- if they're like Buchnevich is like, uh, although this we're only playing a 50, you know, six game season, but like, if the, all of a sudden you, the, you, at the end of the season, you're like, wow, Buchnevich has like 46 points or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. close to a little under a point per game or, you know, close to it and be like, oh man, you know? So, yeah, if he if he kind of prorates to or just like a sixty point player, like that's awesome. That's great for the Rangers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, you know, listen, Booch is gonna have to play a big role on this team. Uh, you know, being so young, he is a guy that has, you know, the experience. Um, you know, games against the Devils are gonna matter a lot because you need to beat the teams that are you know on the lower tier of the NHL right now. And especially when the Devils are missing guys like Nico. And, um, you know, I just I felt like I watched the Bruins game with them where the Devils won in uh, overtime. Man, the Bruins just sat back. They did not attack them at all. They never strung together a few shifts where they were really pounding the Devils. Uh, The Devils took it, you know, to them. And, you know, again, it's going to come down to the Rangers energy. If the Rangers can outnumber the puck and and force them to play in their own zone we're going to have an easy time winning this hockey game. But if we're going to sit back and, and think that, you know, the play is just going to come to them, the scoring chances are just going to happen. We're, you know, we're going to get burnt and, you know, the devils have enough talent to beat you. And, you know, and you know, they, it's a rivalry game. So devils and Rangers, regardless of who's on the roster, those games are always going to be tough regardless. So expect the game to be physical emotional and you know they're gonna have to you know play like they did on uh saturday to get two points yeah well said well thank you everyone for listening to this episode we're so happy that rangers hockey is back uh and especially you know that winning feeling uh i had to watch the game on a bit of a delay so i dvr'd it so by the time it was finished it was close to like 11 o'clock at night but even not watching live and acting like it was live. It was, oh man, it was such a good feeling. It was that feeling I've been chasing since probably last March, right? Where you're just watching them, the, them score and, and just put out a good effort. And, you know, Kako scoring felt so good and Buchnevich just developing and watching Keandre. Oh man, it's, it, listen, this season's going to be a lot of fun. It'll yeah. probably be just as much fun as last season. And even if they come up a little short, there's going to be highs and lows. So uh, yeah, I guess the challenge for them is, can they mitigate those lows? And they're in the most competitive division, I think, uh, in the entire NHL right now with how the way they've redrawn it. So, yeah, they're going to have to be on. They can't they, like uh, it's been said that they're not going to be able to take teams by surprise anymore because now teams are going to game plan for Panarin and Zibanejad. But that leaves room for Kako to show the haters, hey, look, I can have a like my underlying numbers can be good and I can drive play and Lafreniere to just, yeah. To, to show that he can uh, maybe he will have a better adjustment to the National Hockey League than Kako and Hughes did. So, yeah, there's a lot of narratives this year, which is always what fun hockey is about. And I'm I'm ready. So buckle up and let's enjoy the ride. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the Hockey Podcast Network You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.